0: Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word, the podcast that empowers you to say fuck being fine. Tired of being stuck in a place where you say everything's fine, when it's really not fine at all? You're not alone. I'm your host, Lori Seitz. I've been there too, and so have my guests. Here's the secret. All it takes is a conscious decision to change and then restructure beliefs so your actions take you in the right direction. That's where fine is a four-letter word comes in. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories from people who have transformed their lives and businesses and practical tips and takeaways to move you from spinning in place to forward action so you can create a life of joy. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Today's Summer Session episode, we're going back to living a mindful life with Billy Lahr from October 2022. Let me update you on what's changed in Billy's world since we published. Billy is back from his two-year odyssey overseas, which included eight months in South Korea. He's parked himself in Minnesota and is leading virtual, mobility, and meditation sessions, as well as mindful living group and one-to-one coaching sessions. He also has a new course out called Mindfulness for Anxiety. In August, he's releasing a brand new Reflect, Learn, Grow Introduction to Mindfulness course. His awesome podcast, The Mindful Midlife Crisis, is on hiatus for now. But each Sunday and Wednesday, you can tune in for a guided meditation. His last published episode about leaving Seoul is a tearjerker. In it, he talks about making the difficult decision to leave Korea— Despite every fiber of his being not wanting to go, why he wants you to stop asking people who make difficult life decisions why and what to say instead, and what his journey has really been all about. Go listen to that after you listen here. If you're up for some laughs today, keep listening. This episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. Head on over to zenrabbit.com to get your free copy of the five easy ways to start living a sabbatical life without having to take a year or even a month off from real life. While you're there, you can also find a link to the brand new program called Staying Calm in Chaos. If your life feels like a dumpster fire of stress and overwhelm, and you'd prefer to be someone who feels peace of mind no matter what, Staying Calm in Chaos is for you. Comes with five awesome meditations, and there's a bunch of other complimentary, get it? Complimentary stuff like mandala coloring pages, templates for writing gratitude notes, and 52 weeks of inspiring activities to maintain your chill throughout the year. Check it all out at zenrabbit.com. My guest today is Billy Lair. Did I pronounce that right?
1: lar it's billy lar lar wow rhymes with bar see we need to go to the bar after this
0: (laughs) we might need to see if i was a good if i was as good a, a podcast host as you are i would have asked that before we started recording
1: that's all right that's all right do we need to start over
0: no we don't we're gonna keep this right as it is you it know sets, what? Because fuck being
1: fine. We're just going
0: it, to go sets right the on It sets the tone for this episode. I got to say, as we start out, because you can tell we're going to already have a lot of fun here. <laughs> Billy hosts a podcast called, what is it called? Um the, Mind, the Mindful, the Mindful Midlife, Midlife crisis. crisis Podcast. Right. And I was a guest on his show several months ago. And I got to say, Billy is the most prepared host I have ever talked to, which makes this even funnier because I am not.
1: <laughs> you should see the Google Sheets and the Google Documents I have. Just I, I like to keep things very orderly. In fact, I'm working with a podcast production company right now to edit our podcast, and and they created this minimal spreadsheet, kind of as a flow sheet and a flow chart. And I'm like, that will not do. So I jumped in there and I made all of these edits to it. And they're like, thank you for streamlining this for us. And I'm like, well, if anything's worth doing, it's worth doing right. So let's go. That's We're right. going to have a spreadsheet. This is what it's going to look like. They should be paying you for the services now. <laughs> I should be getting it for free.
0: That's right. All right. Well, let's jump into my first question because I do have a prepared first question. And that is what? <laughs> What were the beliefs and values that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you are?
1: I knew you were going to ask this question because you told me and because I listened to your podcast and I've, I've struggled with trying to come up with, I guess almost like a, I feel like people always give the positive, this is where I really, but I didn't really have a negative uh, experience growing up either. I think. What happened was, I tried to model after my dad too much in the sense that my dad is a natural salesman and he connects with people very, very easily. And, like, my dad and I, when I, you know I was 22 to 28 years old, like, he and I would go to the bar together all the time, and my dad was able to just kind of schmooze and get to know people and it it was something that I, I admired quite a bit from him so I I, I I took it on myself unfortunately I think I took on that persona a little bit too arrogantly I was too cocky with it mm. there was a great deal of entitlement with it and I think, particularly when it comes to relationships, I think it turned me into a people pleaser because then if people didn't like me, I never saw anybody not like my dad. Everybody loved my dad. And I think when I would do those things and people didn't respond in the same way, then that caused some anxiety. It caused low self-esteem for me. And... And that was just how I internalized it. But then on the flip side of that, too, like, I feel like he taught me how to treat people and the more positive energy that you give out, that that's what you're going to get back in return. I think my dad was so sure of who he was and so confident of who he was and so comfortable in who he was that he was able to get that back. And that what's funny is that's just a realization that I'm making now as I'm sharing this answer with you. That happens and on the show all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that I was ever that sure of myself and that I was ever that confident in myself until now, in this stage in my life. Like I turned 45 in three weeks or whatever. I feel like... I'm finally at that point now where I feel very comfortable and very clear on where I'm going. And it's so interesting. Like, you are catching me on the ascent right now because things have shape shifted so much, particularly in the last, oh, month, I would say, to where. Like, I feel really good about the path my life is on right now. So it's very exciting to be on this show because I absolutely am transitioning from living a comfortable, fine life to a terrifyingly exciting life that <laughs> that may or may not work out the way that I have it envisioned. But I'm becoming more and more laser focused on where I want my life to go, that it Each day feels more and more invigorating, and those relationships that I was investing in a couple years ago are coming back round in full so that those are propelling me into this new endeavor that I am embarking upon.
0: That's part of the reason why we're not talking until now, because you had put me off until you came back because you just got back from traveling in Korea.
1: Correct. Yeah. I actually quit my job back in September and I have been traveling around ever since then. And this wasn't an eat, pray, love type situation where I was going to do any soul searching, that kind of thing. It was more I just wanted to experience these adventures all around the world. I, I wanted to accumulate different life experiences. I've lived in Minnesota my whole life. And I didn't get a passport until 2014, until I was 37 years old. So I really Oh, didn't, wow. I, I haven't really traveled. So this is all new to me. And all of my travels revolve around either baseball. I've been to every major league baseball stadium. I've paddled in all five great lakes. And I have seen Pearl Jam 49 times in nine countries. So all of my travels, oh yeah, all of my travels revolve around those three things. So the fact that I did this trip for the last 10 months by myself was a significant risk in that I I didn't know what was on the other end of it. And I am somebody, like, I worked in education for 21 years. Bells tell me when to start and when to move on to the next thing. So I am very used to structure. Like, like I talked about the, the spreadsheet at the beginning of this. Like, I love structure. I like setting schedules. If there are people out there listening and you are floundering around with inefficiency and time, email me. I would love, (laughs) love to sit down with you and organize your day for you so you can be more efficient. Because when I was traveling, I really wasn't efficient because I was kind of whimsical doing my own thing. But the last two weeks that I was in Korea, I was in Korea for three months. And the last two weeks I started to have this great sense of clarity around what I wanted to do with my life. And I just settled into it. And I've been back now in Minnesota and I'm house-sitting. Again, just dumb luck that I am house-sitting where I am house-sitting right now. And I have started to get back into my old routine. And the more that I dip back into my old routine, the better... I feel and the more focused I am and the clearer this future vision that I have is becoming. And it's really, really exciting. That's so cool.
0: I might have to take you up on that um, efficiency time productivity offer there.
1: (laughs) You have no idea. And like if people who want to travel, hit me up because I love making travel plans. You should see my itineraries. They're ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's crazy. And that's so funny because I was just yesterday having a conversation with a friend who is looking to go on a trip in, uh, in a few months. And she was telling me how it's driving her crazy. Cause she's trying to put together these, I said, why don't you get a travel agent to help you with that? And she's like, "Oh, cause I never thought of it. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll <laughs> introduce you. She can, you can hey, help please her too. do, Please do. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so you, you had, you've been hosting your podcast, Mindful Midlife Crisis, for more than a year,
1: right? Cause yeah, you, yeah, we you started left your job. in,
0: go ahead.
1: Oh, yeah, we started in February of 2021. So we, Had been hosting. I hosted with my friend Brian. We call him Brian on the bass because he plays bass guitar in every band in the Twin Cities. So he and I have been hosting that show since February 2021. So we've been doing that for like seven months before I resigned. Now I sent in my forms. I actually was taking a leave and I submitted my forms way back in October of 2020. Like I knew that I was taking this leave. I was wondering if.
0: I was wondering if the podcast and and talking to the guests on your podcast inspired your, your taking leave.
1: No, I have been wanting to take a leave like this for quite some time now. I've always wanted to go to Korea. I've always wanted to go to Japan. Unfortunately, Japan still isn't open to tourists right now. They're open to tourist groups. But I've been wanting to do this for a while. And I put it off because I had a dog and I said, you know, I can't leave my dog and I wasn't going to bring my dog with me to Korea. So I'm like, okay, as soon as this dog crosses the rainbow bridge, then I will put in the paperwork to do this leave. And so she passed away in April of 2020 and it gave me a full year to plan out this trip. So then I planned out the trip and it took the leave in September. And then when I came back from two months in Portugal, two weeks in Spain, and a quick trip to Dakar, Senegal, so I could paddleboard off the coast of Africa.
0: Oh my I gosh! I went cool.
1: back, and the, <laughs> yeah, there there just wasn't going to be any way for me to transition back into that old position. So I said, you know what? Here we go. And and that was terrifying. And I think for those few months after that, I fell into limbo because I, I was. Well, we we have a we have a mutual friend, Carrie Schwer, and she talks about gray area living, and oh man, I was very much in the dark gray of my life, trying to figure out what it was that I wanted because being in education was fine; it paid me really well. I, I had the golden handcuffs mm-hmm. because. I've been doing it for 21 years. I have my master's plus 60 credits beyond that. And I'm not married. I don't have kids. So I'm, you know, I'm financially responsible. So things were good. And I could have just lived. I could have just carried on living that, that comfortable life, but I wanted to have this other experience. And, you know, after I resigned, it actually felt freeing because i would have had to make a decision by february of 2022 whether or not i was going to come back and i think if it just would have festered it would have lingered and i think i would still be in a in in the gray area now if i had to make that decision back in february because who knows Like, I don't have a job lined up right now, so Mm -hmm. would I be going back into education? Like, I I might be, you know? So it was good to just have that severed relationship with with the district and be like, okay, this is forcing me into the deep end of the pool Mm -hmm. where I am going to have to now figure out what it is I want to do for the next few years that sort of thing and and I I had another clarifying moment too kind of in those last two weeks of of my time in in Korea I was taking a course with a a job coach with a career coach and a lot of the talk was around resumes and a lot of the talk was around cover letters and I was looking at the jobs that were out there and it dawned on me that I don't I don't want to work in this, in corporate America. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that I wanted to make that transition from education to corporate America, but I think that goes back to, I would have been fine with doing it because it would have been paying me money, but I don't know that it would have been all that fulfilling for me to do that. And I don't necessarily know that my work has to be fulfilling, but because people spend so much time working, I don't know that there'd be a balance in other places in my life. So for me, maybe it does mean that I need to be doing something that is fulfilling and I could be doing, I'm starting to think that maybe I need to do like gig work, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing until I get this project that I'm working on with my friend Jill up and running because we're meeting a couple times a week to develop this workbook and this course for people who are looking to who are seeking more fulfillment in their life through self-reflection and we're really excited to roll this out for people in in January of 2023 so people can message me if they're interested in learning more about that too but what was interesting is i knew that I wasn't going to be able to create that by myself. I have, I have the ability to, to structure things, but I have too many ideas in my head
0: mm-hmm. and That's Jill a has thing with entrepreneurs is too many thoughts, too many squirrels, too many shiny objects. Nothing gets yeah, accomplished. And,
1: and, and Jill has a centralized focus of ideas, but not a lot of structure. So we are a perfect match for each other because I have the structure and she's able to whittle down the information that I have in my head and just say, "Mm, that's good, that's not so much, let's stick with this. And, Mm -hmm. And it's really, really coming together quite nicely and I'm, I'm very excited for that to roll out now we're in the early stages of it and like i said i'm i'm unemployed and i'm trying to figure out how i'm going to finance all of this so i'm going to have to be doing things here and there but again that is me transitioning from that that fine where everything was comfortable into an exciting and terrifying unknown
0: i have to ask you because you just brought up the financial question And I am betting that a lot of people who are listening to this is are like, well, that's great, Billy, but I'm not a, a, you know, I don't have a trust fund. I don't have all the money in the world to be able to just travel to Korea for three months. Like, how did you make that happen?
1: That's a good question. I, the one value that I took away from my dad is pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. So, I would sock away money into first my my 403B through the school district, and then through a separate Edward Jones account where I was putting money into a Roth IRA, and then I was putting money into a savings account. And then after that, I was paying all the bills and then living on... And the, th- the thing is, like I could have saved even more if I like to cook at home, but I, you know, I don't like cooking just for myself. Like hey. I'll cook for anybody, and I'm not a great cook, but I'm a passable cook. I just don't like cooking for myself, and so I would go out to eat all the time, and and I, I could have saved a lot more money. I think back to how much money I spent on alcohol in my twenties. If I go down that path, I, I just become very very depressed because yeah. I could have taken this trip a lot sooner, or or I could be financing stuff. For multiple people, I could be like an angel investor. But anyway. <laughs> but,
0: uh, but we are think... all on our own path and we can't look back and go, I wish I would have because that doesn't really do us any good. Correct. It, you've Correct. got to the point, you know, and I've mentioned this, I think, in other podcasts too. There's this guy named Peter Krohn who is known as the mind architect. And he has a saying that, the, um, that what happened happened and it couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't.
1: Right. And, and you know that I am not a fan of the everything happens for a reason statement, but I'm not a fan of it in the moment. I don't like You're... when people try to console another person by saying everything happens for a reason. Mm, shut the fuck up. I, you know, <laughs> like I don't need to hear that while I'm going through it. I need to come to that conclusion on my own once I have processed it. But if that's your way of consoling me, oh, God. And what's interesting, I can't remember who the guest was, but she was on the, the the Jordan Harbinger podcast. And she talked about how like there's actually research around comments like that actually do have adverse effects on people who have high anxiety and I'm guessing by now your listeners have gathered that I am high intensity <laughs> which also gather which also comes with high anxiety you know so <laughs> so yeah. this is just how I run like I practice mindfulness to stay at this level of intensity, <laughs> <laughs> which is
0: completely crazy and I was just gonna say, Billy, have you tried meditation You're the, I, but I know. In fact, you even provided one of the meditations for this podcast. I'll have to link to it in the show notes. But yes, I I'm jokingly saying that because I know you do.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, I really I think where this energy is coming from now is like I said that excitement and the the that terrified feeling of the unknown right now. But you know 2012 2013 i i was in a really really dark place like i in so i had to go into therapy because i was in a i was experiencing anxiety attacks i had depression i was i had suicidal ideation so i went to therapy and picked and i learned these mindfulness tips and this mindfulness practice that was able to recenter my mindset and, and reframe how I was viewing the circumstances around my life and, and giving me tools to, to feel the, the somatic experience of anxiety so that I was able to manage it a little bit better. And, you know, now I'm, I'm at a point where I'm very in tune, almost to the point where I'm, I'm hyper aware of, my thoughts and and my feelings and those sort of thing, but you know as much as a as an overthinker as I am, I'm able to at times pinpoint like okay, if I'm able to have all these thoughts, then eventually it's kind of like word vomit where eventually the 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 really intelligent thing comes out. It's kind of like at the before it when at the beginning of the episode where I was like, wait a minute, I just had this awareness from from talking. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you're rambling and and I was just seeing the other day, if you're if you're an overthinker, write and if you're an underthinker, read. And I thought that that was really good information. For, wait, wait, wait. For... If
0: you say that again, if you're an overthinker,
1: if you're an overthinker, write, If you, you should journal, get those thoughts out of your okay. head. If you're an underthinker, you should read. You should be okay. consuming information, So and then that way you can kind of develop better perspectives on what's going on around you so that you have more thought, you have more ambition, you have more drive.
0: Okay, so an underthinker would be somebody who uh, acts before they think?
1: I think an underthinker is someone who's stuck. Okay. I think an underthinker would, would be the epitome of living fine, of just being fine, and they don't know which way to go, and they're content with the fine. They're content with spinning their wheels. So then if, they're, if you're stuck, and you're stuck because you don't know what to do, then read or listen to a podcast like this one or listen to our podcast, or listen to another podcast that provides insight about how to get unstuck. Mm. That, that was kind of the insight that I was taking away from that, that post.
0: Love it. Okay. All right. We talked in our in previous conversation, um, we talked about allowing flexibility to create a new life. And how how did you get to, like, as an overthinker, you had to allow flexibility for like your travel plans? I mean, there's nothing that forces you to be more flexible than especially international travel, and especially at this time in history?:
1: Correct, yeah, my original plan, I had been planning. For 18 months to do a month in Thailand, a week in Singapore, six weeks in Japan, and six weeks in Korea. Well, COVID wasn't relenting. (laughs) So I had to rethink what my travel experience was going to be and I've always wanted to go to Portugal. I'd like to retire in Portugal someday. So I'm like, well, let's, that's, that's open. Let's go check that out. And I can very easily get to Spain from there. So let's do that. And you know, as I was, I remember I was in Lisbon just kind of seeing where am I going to go after this? Because usually when I travel, I know I'm I'm going to be here for four days, and I'm taking this train to this city at this time. And you know, and once I kind of get into the city, then I allow for that flexibility. But when I went to Portugal, I didn't have a return ticket. Mm. I didn't really know how long I was going to be there. Now I I booked all of my accommodations right away. But you know, I I see people like nomadic Matt is he's all about the you know. If you like it, extend a few days. If you don't like it, eat the money on the on the reservation and go somewhere else because time and energy are precious. And it's like, oh, I could never do. It. I would like. <laughs> I would find something. I would find some experience, or I would just maximize my time in the hotel room being productive in some I'm other just way rather suck than it up. eat the money. Right. I'd, I'd, yeah, there's no way I could do that. But you know, over this whole experience. What was interesting is when I got to Puerto Vallarta, well, here, I had to shift gears here because in January, the plan was to go to Thailand because Thailand was somewhat opening up, and I'm like, okay, here we go. We're going to make this happen. Well, then Thailand couldn't get their COVID regulations straightened out, so I just eventually canceled my trip to Thailand, and I literally Googled... Metro transit, ocean, mountains, cheap, warm weather, and Puerto Vallarta popped up. And so I booked my flight to Puerto Vallarta. I booked my accommodations there through the month of February. I was there originally from February 7th through the 24th, and I had these four, I guess, flex days at the end of February. And I am very much a concrete thinker in that, you know, I leave on the last day of the month or I leave on the first day of month. <laughs> okay. That's just how I, I don't, I don't start things unless it's on a Monday. Like, I got that's you. the way that I am. Right. Why does that not surprise you? So people are yeah. So people are getting a real, an even deeper sense here of just how structured I am. Right. So I had those four days and I was really enjoying myself and I, I didn't want to go back to Minnesota in February. So I extended for, those extra four days, when I got back to Minnesota, I've, you know, I thought that there was a, there was a relationship that I was trying to nurture at that time, and it, it just it didn't work mm-hmm. out. And in hindsight, had it, I guess had I known that, I would have liked to have spent three more weeks in Puerto Vallarta because I had made really strong connections in those first three weeks. And then I felt like I was leaving them right when I was starting to build something, build a community down there. So when I went to Seoul, I was supposed to leave Korea on May 31st. And I went from Seoul to Jeju Island on May 17th. And I remember telling my Airbnb host, who is the nicest, most genuine human being on this earth. He and I are, are will be friends till the end. I remember telling him, I've met so many wonderful people here in Seoul that if I were to leave on the 31st like I'm supposed to, it would feel like an unfinished chapter in my life. So I learned that lesson from when I was in... Puerto Vallarta and and said, you know what, if I can figure out a way to extend my time an extra month, I'm going to. And I I did. I was able to change my flight and I was able to book my accommodations with Ernie. And I, I deepened those relationships with those friends over there to the point where that's where I plan to end up by March. Like that's the goal is to get back there. And if If Japan isn't open up in the fall, then I'm going back to Seoul in October because the last two weeks there is when I realized that I needed to stop chasing relationships that do not reciprocate the same energy that I am putting out, and I need to stop chasing relationships where I do not feel as valued as I am putting value, like I'm overvaluing this relationship because it's not being reciprocated. And as soon as I stopped doing that, then all of a sudden these other relationships with the friends that I had there really started to develop. Like people all of a sudden were messaging me outside of the hiking group that I was part of and saying, do you want to just hang out? Do you want to go do stuff? And it was a feeling of belonging mm-hmm. that I that I, I don't know that I've ever felt in my entire life. And so that's when things started to become crystal clear for me. That's when I started to see this work that I wanted to do with my friend Jill. And that's when I started realizing that this class that I was taking with the career coach wasn't for me anymore. And... I think that's a that goes back to the point that Nomadic Matt makes where he says, hey, y- y- I know you spent the money on this hotel, but don't stay there if you don't like it. And I spent money on that class, but I realized with two sessions left that I don't want to work in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Now, I took a lot of great things away from there, and they they talked about interviews, and I'm going to have to interview at, at some point, I imagine, if I'm going to be doing gig work. but I just realized I'm not going to put in as much work into this because that would be me going back into the fine end of the swimming pool. And I want to be swimming on the fantastic end of the swimming pool. Yeah.
0: Two key points that you mentioned in that, in that part of the the conversation. One is how much better life gets when you start allowing instead of pushing trying to make things happen, forcing, um, and even resisting. Like those are two opposite kind of things, but neither one of them is allowing, allowing things to just flow. And so stepping into that flow, everything gets easier. This is something I've been focused on a lot in the past several months as well. Like it it seems like it should be easier to allow, but like, isn't it crazy to think that it's why am I struggling with allowing that should just happen?
1: And I feel like it goes back to what I talked about at the beginning with my dad. My dad just seemed to allow these connections to build. And I was force feeding these connections. Right. And I, I feel like, I was I told you the last time that we talked that that when I listen to music, I listen, if it's a song I like, I listen to that song over and over and over and over and over again. And, you know, we grew up with cassette tapes. If you right. rewound and played that cassette over and over and over again, you wore it out. And I feel like that was a realization that I was making with the relationships in my life was that, that is wearing people out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's never a good feeling when somebody says to you, talking to you stresses me out. <laughs> wow. No, <laughs> no, that's, no. That's, that's never a good sign. No, no, it isn't. <laughs> no,
0: you want the opposite. Like I, I, which I don't know. I guess it depends on your personality because when I talk to you, I'm energized. But I can see how some people that that might be too much energy coming at them. They don't know how to manage and process it. So it it really depends on where they are. And it's not, again, coming back to accepting who you are, it's not a commentary necessarily on you. It's on the dynamic between the two of you, not you need to change
1: because. and Yeah, and that's a good point because I think that I was trying to fit into you know, round, round peg, square hole, that kind of thing. I feel like that's what I was trying to do. That goes back to
0: your point in the beginning of our conversation of being a people pleaser.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it's, we talked about this before. I don't feel like a people pleaser is anything anybody would ever describe about me, especially when it came to work. Mm -hmm. Because professional Billy and personal Billy are two very different people.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think like you were talking about with your dad, he was very confident in who he was and comfortable. And that when you get to a point of being very confident and comfortable in who you are, there are you are not two people. You are one person and you are are authentic in that in showing up as who you are in all areas of your life. Which to what I was going to say about your your comment about interviewing whether you're doing gig work or interviewing for corporate or whatever you end up doing, to me, it's always just a conversation like, here's who I am. I'm interviewing you as much as you're interviewing me. Like, how do you prepare to be yourself? Like, that's really what you need. I mean, that's really how you need to show up is, here I am.
1: And you know, what's funny about interviews is the first, I don't know, three jobs that I got, in education, we're phone interviews. I mean, you don't have your... We're not doing this video, but I'm gesticulating the entire time. Like, there's I big emotions with my hands and my arms. Like, that's, that's how I convey my message because there's a lot of emotion mm-hmm. in my message. There's a lot of intensity Energy, in my message. Yeah. And Yeah, yeah. And, and so it is important for me to find someone... And whether it's in a relationship or whether it's in terms of professionalism, that matches my energy or that can complement my energy. In my last associate principal, she and I had—she was very much introverted. I was very much extroverted. But the two of us together were a dream team. And I absolutely loved working for her to the point where— I gave the toast at her wedding. Like that's how much we clicked mm-hmm. because we just understood one another. And that's the kind of synergy that I'm looking for in life moving yes. forward. And that's why I always love talking to you because like, we always have fun conversations. Right,
0: right. And yeah, and I think that is the ultimate is to find that, that perfect synergy for in life. And just, and again, going back to the ease and flow, We're, the ease and flow. All right. So we could talk all, all afternoon. We could have a <laughs> five hour podcast. I don't know that anybody would want to listen could, to all we five hours we just of keep that,
1: going. Oh. but
0: I'm, you, you mentioned cassette tapes. So <laughs> what is the song? What's your hype song that you listen to when you need to wait, hold on when you, When Billy needs an extra boost of energy. Okay. Everybody stand back. What's the song?
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny that you're bringing this up. We recently did an interview with Rich Bracken and Rich is fantastic. He does emotional intelligence conversations. He's a DJ. So he turns his presentations into a club-like atmosphere. And one thing that he talked about was having a mood booster uh, playlist. And, I'm very much from the 90s. Pearl Jam is my favorite band. So I listen to a lot of that. But, you know, that music can also be very dark.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like it, it, I, I now that I have this mood booster, I just pick songs that make me laugh. So if I need, like, an extra boost in order to lift weights or something like that, I'm probably going to listen to bulls on parade by rage against machine or refuse and resist by Sepultura. Those will always get me going. But if I need something that's just like a mood booster, this is so funny, but you know, I start listening to my mood boosting playlist in the morning now and my showers have gone from like three to four minutes all the way up to 10 minutes because I'm just dancing in the shower. I just having like, just moving. And for whatever reason, people can make fun of me, but for whatever reason, party in the USA by (laughs) Miley Cyrus (laughs) is, it's just such a fun song. It is. It is. Right. I I just, I love it. I love it. But if we're at a karaoke bar, I'm going to shut the place down with Baby Got Back. Oh, So no. just be ready for oh, that.
0: Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Miley Cyrus is one of those those songs that you don't want to admit that you like, but here oh. you are telling the world.
1: It's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah I remember one time this was years ago, and I was with my friends Mike and Rob, and all three of us are pretty big music snobs. And Mike said Mike said, "All right, guys, what's the song that you like that you don't want to admit?" Right. And I said, "You know what? I really like "Since You've Been Gone" by Kelly Clarkson." And Robbie goes, "I actually like that song too." And Mike said, "I like that whole album." <laughs> 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 it's just like there's validation all the way across the board that Kelly Clarkson kicks ass, and I don't care who you are. Since you've been gone, is a rocker. It is a bot.
0: All right, and then you all ordered drinks with umbrellas. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> all right, Billy. Where can people find you if they want to continue this conversation that you have invited them to continue?
1: Yeah, we're on Instagram, mindful underscore midlife underscore crisis. We're on Twitter, mindful midlife. We have a Facebook page, the mindful midlife podcast, or excuse me, the mindful midlife crisis podcast. You can go to our website, www.mindfulmidlifecrisis.com, click contact, and you can email us there. You can join our newsletter. Our newsletter sends out a different meditation every single Sunday. We also have links to what our past guests are up to, whether they have courses, whether they have events going on. You can get more information about that. You can always email me at mindfulmidlifecrisis at com. I love connecting with people, and I'd love to know who listened to this conversation and valued it and who... My story resonated with out there, please hit me up, let me know i'd love to connect with you because if if you've got the energy that I have or even if you 've got low energy and you need some of mine i've got some to give i'd I would love to to connect with people out there. I always like to know who's listening to the podcasts of the world, so there's so many out there, but there's so few good ones and like this is a this is an amazing one and ours is a good show it too. Absolutely so come is. check us out.
0: Yes, thank you so much for joining me today, Billy. On "Fine" is a four-letter word. Thank you for
1: having me, Lori. Good to see you.
0: Like I said in the beginning, I love Billy's energy. He hosted me as a guest on his podcast a while back, and it was one of the most fun guest interviews I've done. He also created a meditation for "Fine" is a four-letter word. Check the show notes for a link to both my interview on the mindful midlife crisis and to Billy's meditation. Here are the key takeaways. Number one, if you're an overthinker, write. Extracting and organizing your thoughts helps you better process what's going on. You may begin to see patterns that help you uncover what your underlying worries are or begin to see yourself in a new light. Number two, on the flip side, if you're an underthinker and you're feeling stuck, expose yourself to more content. Consume more information in the form of books, podcasts, movies, or any other medium of your preference to feed your brain with new information. This helps you get out of ruts, gain different viewpoints, and fuel your inspiration. Number three, stop trying to force situations to go the quote unquote right way. Take the pressure off yourself to make things happen and rather start allowing things to flow as they may. Otherwise, you run the risk of missing out on great relationships and opportunities because you're investing your time and effort in the wrong places. Number four, it's okay to sometimes break your plans or commitments and part ways with people you feel no longer align with you. You don't have to stick to something that's not working. Even if you initially set out to see it through, allow yourself to improvise with the flexibility and freedom needed for change and the growth that will inevitably follow. Number five, being a people pleaser doesn't help anyone. Wanting to be liked is understandable, but compromising who you are to achieve it can be stressful and exhausting. Being your authentic self, on the other hand, is uncomplicated and rewarding and doesn't require you to put aside your happiness in the process of relationship building. Thanks for listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you enjoyed the show, please follow and share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to help others discover it too. You can find links to my socials on my website, zenrabbit.com. And before you go, take a moment to reflect on what you're grateful for today. Remember, you have the power to create a life you love, and I am proud of you. Thanks for joining me and take care.